This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think this starts with shooting pucks. And we talked about that earlier or a few days ago. But you see on that shift two, we retreat pucks. We get movement. Uh, we're shooting pucks. And good things are going to happen. You know, it's not every day that I end up by the net and, you know, coach and pointer up high. But that's what uh, good teams do. You read off each other and see what's open and uh, we're able to capitalize. It's a confidence thing. Um, you know, you got to, especially when you're, Playing a pretty good game and getting chances, and it's not going in, or the guys making good saves. I thought, uh, you know, tonight we were getting some good looks, and um, you know, I think when uh, you're, you're having that kind of game, it's easier just to to stay the course. And um, you know, I think, uh, like you said, our, our leadership guys did a good job of that tonight. You know, we had a pretty good night going. We had the lead going in the third. We give it up. You know, it's a uh, pretty tough turnover there uh, from a you know, guy that's had a hell of a year from us, but. Uh, the boys dug in and, and you know what's happened in the past is basically you know we've kind of shied away from those moments and tonight we didn't and uh, big response for us in the third to close it out I think you know they scored that goal I'm not sure they had a shot on goal till two minutes left in the game and so you're gonna play defense like that uh, you give yourself a chance to win they weren't worried they weren't worried they you could hear the comments there from Braden Point. He wasn't too sure how long they had gone without scoring a goal. He just said, all right, you know, it happens. But Lightning get a nice win against the Blackhawks. We're going to cover it today here on the show, noon to one. We are taping, so um, we want to give everybody an opportunity to uh, understand that. At Bolts Radio, Greg Linelli with you. Dave Michigan on the other end. Steve Versnick producing and... Uh, I'm bringing my partner who had a, a front row seat and called the game with Brian Engblom mm-hmm. uh, on these airways, which was a lot of fun. It was, a, I think, a satisfying win, partner. It, uh, at times, wasn't pretty, but that's okay. The Lightning get a couple of goals from defensemen, which was nice, and uh, came back in this game because Chicago scored first. It was, uh, it was nice to see. It was much needed, and you get a couple of points in regulation, which always feels good. Yeah, the Lightning did a lot of really impressive things in this game. And at the top of the list for me is how they defended, which is what we've been talking about really not only since the St. Louis game on Tuesday, but for much of this early part of the year. And I thought they delivered a really high-level performance. It wasn't perfect. There was one costly turnover in there that Coop referenced. That opened the door for the Blackhawks to tie the game at two. But when you hold a team to 15 shots and only nine even strength shots for an entire game, you're doing a lot of things right defensively. So in the game against the Blues, the Lightning had a lot of possession, but they gave up chances, right? They had turnover issues they had coverage issues when the blues had the puck they did a lot with that limited possession time and i think at the end of the day they probably ended up out out chancing not out shooting but out chancing the lightning the lightning were able not only to dominate possession against the blackhawks they also for the most part i mean they had the one early in the third but for the most part they didn't really open the door for the blackhawks to make plays when the Hawks did have the puck. I mean, they had the puck for for some of the game. So 
I thought that that was really impressive. They limited damaging turnovers. They managed the puck well. They defended hard. They tracked Connor Bedard in this game. They were not going to have a repeat of what happened last week in Amelie Arena. Bedard ends up playing almost 20 minutes, and he really didn't have a lot of touches in this game, Greg. He finished with five shot attempts, but only one on net. They were on him. And that's what he should expect. He is a tremendous talent. And he is going to have to work for his time and space. The Lightning didn't give him any. It's kind of what Kucherov and Point deal with on an every game basis. So check the box for how they defended. They limited chances. They limited shots. All that was really positive. But they had to score. And the first period, they could have gotten frustrated from that period because they allowed a power play goal. The Hawks had six shots in the first period. Four came on their one power play. And the fourth shot on that power play went in. Meaning that they only had two even strength shots the rest of the period. And it wasn't even 18 minutes because their two-minute power play did not last two minutes. The penalty was taken at 11.41. The goal was scored at 12.59. So one minute and 18 seconds into that power play. So it was a period in which the Lightning did a lot of things well. And they did generate chances on Peter Morazic, who was stopping them all. They also missed the net on some pretty good looks. So it could have probably been pretty easy for them to let frustration settle in that they were down again but maybe they learned the lesson from the St. Louis game they didn't really change the way they were playing the Hawks had a couple of dangerous looks early in the second period there were some big saves made there by Johansson in fact three of their they had seven second period shots Greg one came pretty early in the period it was not a dangerous shot it was a long range shot but then they had three in a row right around the net one right after the other Johansson stopped all three that kept the game one nothing From that point onward, the Hawks only had three more shots the rest of the period. Two came in between the two Lightning goals. So the Lightning got a power play when Kaiser shot the puck out of play, and they would score on that power play on a point tip. The Hawks challenged the goal for offside. Were Braden point skates ahead of the puck across the blue line? Yes, but the rule states that if a player is in possession of the puck, he's allowed to have his skates precede the puck across the blue line. I was kind of surprised the Hawks, they should have known the rule. I actually on the air got a little confused, Greg, with that delayed offside call that we talked about on the show in previous years with McCarr in the playoffs. Like, is the puck on the stick blade. <laughs> if it's not on the stick blade, it can almost be like a a tag-up offside type situation. This was different. Point was the first guy into the zone, but he had the puck on his stick, and it kind of came off his stick, but he had possession. So it states clearly in the rule book. In fact, the NHL sent the explanation, in case people are wondering. Video review confirmed that Braden Point had possession and control of the puck as he entered the attacking zone prior to his goal. Rule 83.1 states in part, quote, a player actually controlling the puck who shall cross the line ahead of the puck shall not be considered offside 
provided he had possession and control of the puck prior to his skates crossing the leading edge of the blue line. That explains exactly what happened. So Hawks challenge, they lose the challenge, the goal stands, letting go back in the power play. On that power play, Whistle gets a shorthanded chance. Johansson makes the save, stays 1-1. The Hawks were pretty quiet, really for the rest of the game, except for the goal that they scored early in the third. And I thought it was Mikhail Sergachev's best game of the year, not just because he had a goal and an assist. He was decisive in just about every opportunity that he had to make a play. He took a penalty, which did lead to the, the Hawks' power play goal in the first period. But it was kind of a... I think the Hawk player kind of sold it a little bit, honestly. It was a pretty good body check. And it looked worse than I think it was, so he got called for the penalty. But that didn't make him shy away from future physical contact. He had a terrific game, and he got rewarded with his first goal of the year on a one-timer through a screen. Morazic didn't see it. Point was screening. So it's 2-1. The Lightning were unable to add to their lead. And how many times this year, Greg, have we seen them take a lead into the third period and have some kind of letdown? They've lost games in regulation. They've lost games in overtime where they've taken a lead into the third period. And they give up the lead two minutes and change into the third. But this time, they didn't let it snowball. And that was another impressive part of this game. And Coop talked about it, their response. They just pressed on the gas. And... You know, the Hawks scored in their first shot of the period. They didn't have another shot until there were under two minutes left in the game. And at that point, the Lightning had the lead back. They had some long, extended offensive zone shifts. The Hawks had to play much of that third period without the puck in their own zone. Hedman scores on a carom where it comes back in front. He's down by the net. He backhands it in. That was with about eight minutes left. How many shifts after that did the Lightning just basically control the puck in the offensive zone. And they had some shots. They had some chances. Point had six shots in the game. One went in. Morazic was very good in denying the other five. But it's very hard to come from behind when you don't have the puck. Yeah. And, and the Lightning, I thought, put on a clinic of puck possession. The last shot came from Kurashev. The Lightning had a little bit of a miscue in the neutral zone. Kurashev got a look from the circle. With under two minutes left, Johansson made the save and covered. That's when they pulled Morazic. They couldn't pull Morazic before then because the Lightning, the puck in the Chicago end. And soon after, Hagel scores the empty netter. So look, it was a very solid win for the Lightning. They did, they did everything they needed to do to win the game. And they had some adversity. The Hawks didn't have the puck very much, but they still managed to pop in two goals, and we've kind of seen this script before, but this time the Lightning did not let it deter them from getting this game back under control, regaining the lead, and getting two really important points to finish out this two-game road trip. Yeah. That was uh, a long spiel, but I mean, there was a lot in this game, and, and the Lightning also had to go much of the final two periods with 11 forwards because they lost another player to a shot block, this time Sorelli. So hopefully he's going to be not out as long as the other two guys, Mott and Sherry, who block shots. But we'll have to wait and see on, on that front. You mentioned facing adversity. I was just going to say, you're, you know, you're playing the, the majority of the game without Anthony Sorelli. The, the darn shot block comes back and, and haunts the Lightning a little bit. And that made the win, I think, even more 
impressive is the fact that you're playing without uh, a guy like that. And, and we know how important uh, he can be to uh, the team. Uh, you know, I thought it was it was workmanlike. You know, Johansson wasn't tested a ton. Kind of a weird game for him just in terms of the mm-hmm. amount of shots that he ended up facing. He stopped 13 to 15. But that's a credit to the Lightning, as you mentioned, partner, Ding up the way they did. And, you know, we talked about it. The way the team was going to win this game uh, in most of their games, for the most part, this year, they're going to have to find a way to defend or at least be be good with the puck, and they did. And that allowed them to come out uh, with a win. Kucherov ended up picking up an assist. Braden Point, as you alluded to, uh, a really nice goal uh, on the power play. And I had a lot of people asking questions about that challenge too, partner, because um, I know you and Brian were talking about it, and you just you never know what the <laughs> the, the yeah. ruling well, is going to be. I just read you the rule that the yeah, NHL sure. sent out, so it's very clear. He had the puck on his stick. The puck came off his stick blade, and he did precede the puck across the blue line in terms of his skates. But if he's in control of the puck, which he was in control of the puck in the neutral zone. The rule is very clear. Yep. Now, look, that challenge didn't hurt the Hawks. I mean, the Lightning did not score in the ensuing power play, and I mentioned the best chance actually came from Entwistle. But the goal was a good goal, and it was not offside. Nope. And uh, the goal obviously stood and upheld. I thought, Sergeyev, you mentioned... Um, I think it was John Cooper was asked the question about the plus minus and it's like one of those things where if it's a a good number guys want to talk about it if it's a bad number guys don't it was good to see him quick release on the shot Mm -hmm. at 901 that was nice to see sometimes that that doesn't always happen you get a couple of goals from defensemen you know you get things that um, you, you typically haven't gotten this year and you you deliver in a game that Corey Perry scored uh for Chicago but I thought in general, was it? Did Brian allude to this? Because I thought it was a pretty good point. Chernak, you know, looked pretty good, and and yep. that was good to see. And they're going to need him. We spent uh, a portion of a, a show a couple of de- days ago talking about, you know, the Lightning's back end and where it had been and where it is today. And a big part of that is just, hey, can can Chernak maybe get back to a level that we're accustomed to seeing? And and maybe tonight was a start. So, uh, well, they did switch up. The pairings, now, the new pairings, it's not like they held to that the whole game. But Chernak was with Sergachev, and they yeah. played together a lot have- tonight. Now, they weren't together on the winning goal. Chernak and Hedman were out there. But I thought they meshed well together. And they've got some experience playing with one another, and you know that's that was good to see. That was good to see. And if those two can get going, you know, then that back end, it does take on a different look. And uh, I think it's something to watch out for uh, moving forward. We'll see what John Cooper wants to do. And the Lightning will be tested uh, again mm-hmm. on Saturday because the team they're playing, while the record might not be uh, very good, they've got game breakers. And boy, you want to be tested with the puck in the neutral zone or just where you have that puck in uh, the defensive zone partner, you're going to be tested again. But this would be a good test for the Lightning because you can build off this game theoretically. They did a lot of good things. And for those who were questioning, 
you know, the lightning system and, and playing defense. Chicago's not a a team that many people are going to pick to win the Stanley Cup this year, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And tonight was and a they good have start. and they have a guy in their team who can really hurt you if it's true. He's allowed time and space. So that is something they can take into Saturday afternoon's game. It's just that the Oilers have a handful of guys who can hurt you really severely if you yeah. give them time and space. But the Lightning didn't give time and space tonight. No. They were very aggressive in defending without the puck. I know Chief is very vocal about that, and it drives him crazy when he sees guys not engage the puck carrier when they have a chance, and he loves it when they do. So I didn't hear his interviews with you, but I'm guessing he was pretty happy with how they were basically challenging puck carriers in all three zones. He was very excited. Yeah. <laughs> and as he as he should have. So uh, I'm curious, our audience, as we get some tweets that uh, will trickle in here, um, think about the game. Uh, some will look at, at Chicago and say, look, it's it's the Blackhawks. And, you know, the Lightning needed to uh, to get two points. But look, sometimes these are the hardest games to win, the ones where you're favored. And we mm-hmm. saw what happened last week. So yeah, and look, like the, the Blackhawks have wins over the Panthers, the Maple Leafs, the Golden Knights, yeah, and the Lightning. What you're saying has some pretty good teams. Morazic is having a good year. His record is not great, but his underlying numbers are very impressive. He's playing at a high level. Brian mentioned on the air last night, which is true, that, you know, Morazic has had some injury issues in recent years, and now he really feels healthy, and he's playing like it. This is as healthy as he's been. Yeah. I think that's something to, to keep in mind because we have seen him uh, be very good uh, when things are going. The weird stat of the night. So last week, the Lightning lost the game, obviously, to Chicago and did not have a great final 40 minutes in terms of their pushback. They dominated faceoffs, though. Dominated. And they are, well, they came in last night as a top five faceoff team in the NHL. The Hawks were the worst faceoff team percentage wise in the NHL, 32nd out of 32 teams. What were faceoffs last night? 34 yeah. 24 Chicago. Nick Felina went 8 0. Tyler Johnson went 6 0. So a complete reversal of kind of the season-long trends and a reversal from what we saw last week. But even with that, the Lightning dominated possession. So that was... If you had asked me to make one prediction (laughs) about this game, I might have said, well, I have a pretty good feeling the Lightning are going to do well on face-offs. That did not happen. And there were so many guys thrown out of the circle that Brian and I were talking about it. Apparently, this is a, a topic that was discussed at the general manager's meeting, but it's like early days discussion. It was kind of like, yeah, should we kind of enforce more strictly the the face-off protocol? You know, guys are not listening to the linesmen, and the linesmen are just dropping the puck anyway. And maybe we need to standardize this, and the way you standardize it is, if a guy doesn't do what the linesman says, he gets thrown out. Well, I don't know if the linesmen were given a directive or they read about this from the GM's meeting or what, but 
guys are being thrown out left and right. And in fact, like the Lightning got that power play in the second period, which allowed them to score the goal. And Coop referenced that goal, the first goal, which ended their long drought as a really big goal to kind of allow them to puff out their chest. They got that power play goal because Wyatt Kaiser took a delay of game penalty for chipping the puck over the glass. The reason that that happened, so there was a face-off that was supposed to take place between Tanner Janot and I believe it was Entwistle. I can actually look this up and see who was on the ice for that delay of game penalty. It was Entwistle. Both guys get thrown out at the same time. Usually, if both guys are thrown out, there's one guy thrown out, and then his replacement comes in, and then the the player on the other team is thrown out. The linesman threw both guys out, Entwistle and Jano. So Tyler Mott comes in to take the faceoff against Ryan Donato, who really doesn't take a lot of faceoffs. How many did Donato take? He took one. So Mott is a center. Like, Mott is used to taking faceoffs. He hasn't taken many this year because he's been at wing. And tonight, even though he played center, he's coming back from that hand injury. So he's not taking a lot of faceoffs. But he won that one against Donato. I, I think he had an advantage there. So the Lightning were able to pull a little pressure on. And Kaiser is under duress. He flips the puck out of play. So, I mean, in a way, you can look at those two guys getting thrown out of the circle. The Lightning ended up, instead of, a 50-50 face-off, let's say, with, with two natural centermen, the Lightning have a natural centerman taking on a guy who doesn't take a lot of face-offs. They win the draw, and moments later, puck out of play. So they get the power play. But that was happening all night. Brian counted the number of guys who had taken face-offs on both teams after the second period. The number didn't change, so it's not like they had a defenseman come in and, and take a face-off. But the Lightning had Eight players take faceoffs in the game. Remember, you only dressed 12 forwards, and they lost Sorelli early in the second. Now, Sorelli was one of the eight. The Hawks had nine. Nine of their 12 forwards took at least one faceoff, which tells you how many guys were thrown out of the circle. We'll see if that continues, you know, in in lightning games and games around the NHL, if if this is some kind of new standard the linesmen are taking it upon themselves to enforce before there's an actual directive from the league. But we definitely saw that last night. It didn't hurt the Hawks in the circle, though. They did win 34 of, what, 58 face-offs. So... I, it's a hundred percent true, and I I don't know why the league enforces certain rules more so than others. It, it seems pretty silly. It's it's kind of like, hey, we're going to call a lot of penalties at the beginning of the year in hopes that mm-hmm. things change towards the end. Uh, I don't know, but um, that can get a little annoying. I, I think the other thing too with that is the consistency. Yeah, you know, let's be consistent with it, and let's not do it just to do it. Well, let's you see know? if it continues. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Also, you know, in fairness, Greg, up in the press box, we can't hear what's happening at the dot. The linesman might be telling guys, you know, get your skates back, stick down. Guy doesn't put a stick down; he gets tossed. I mean, we're not we're not privy to that, so there may be something going on there that 
leads to a player getting tossed. But boy, they had a quick trigger last night, both linesmen. They did. And it wasn't it wasn't slanted toward one team or the other. I mean, they were throwing out guys from both teams. Yeah. That's a fair point. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. You want to get some tweets here as we yes. get into uh, the flow of the game. A couple that came in uh, yesterday I want to get into. Basil says, flabbergasted by people whose response to every adversity is to fire someone. That's not how you build stability, which has been a hallmark of this organization. Players don't need a wake-up call, nor do the coaches. They just need to work the problem. This came on the heels of many people wanting change yes. just for the sake of change, partner. I get it. I understand it. I I don't think we thought that was going to happen, but... No. Look, adversity can make you better. It depends on how you handle it. But I think for this Lightning team, making the regular season interesting uh, isn't always a terrible thing because a lot of people feel like, hey, you know, look, they're going to get to the playoffs. What's the team going to look like when you get there? I think for the Lightning, they're just figuring a, a few things out. They've had to deal with some injuries. They're also dealing with a system change. And, you know, other teams have improved in the division as well. And uh, I think it's it's things to keep in mind. Uh, Nikita Kucherov says, hey, just addressing yesterday's Not comments. the real Nikita Kucherov. That is true. <laughs> That'd be great if Nick you did, Ita, right? Nick Ita. He says, I agree with Dave that it's not just the six D-men. It's the entire roster, including the coaching staff. These are the moments when we need our future Hall of Famers to step up and make some noise on the ice. Well, I think Nick had that in there because he, if I'm remembering right, maybe it was the day before, had made a comment about defending. And I think I said in response that it's not just the defenseman. So if I, I misinterpreted your original tweet, Nick, I apologize if you were talking about the entire group, forwards and defensemen, team defense, then I take back what I had said, that it's not only the defense. I don't take back what I had said, but you were agreeing with me. He talked about the big guys stepping up. Well, what did we have last night? Braden Point, a goal and two assists. Victor Hedman, a goal and an assist with the game winner. Sergachev, a goal and an assist. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got that, right? You do. You do. That's exactly what you want. And it wasn't only how they produced offensively. It was how they played. Yeah. They played very well. They did. It was a solid game. And, you know, it was a game, too, where you didn't have to make your goaltender sweat a ton in terms of the volume of shots. True. Which was nice to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, the save percentage wasn't going to look great for Johansson. But, you know, look, based off of the performances he's had this year and the results haven't been at times what he'd like them to be, I think this is okay. He had no like chance on either of those goals. I mean, one's yeah. a perfect tip into the top of the net, and the other is a, a tap-in for Corey Perry on an odd man rush. But what I am happy about, and probably what Johansson is happy about, yeah, his save percentage, 13 saves and 15 shots, may not help his save percentage, but his goals against went down. <laughs> and that's what I'm happy about. Did I say it yesterday? That... It'd be nice if you and I came on a show and we're talking about a game in which the Lightning allowed one or two goals instead of three or more. 
true. I mean, it was a 3-2 game. They got the empty netter because they were up. But, I mean, we know John Cooper's years-old adage. If you can hold the opposition to under three, you give yourself a chance to win. Once you allow three, the outcome starts to hang in the balance. You know, it seems pretty simple, that line, but it's it holds true. I think it holds true. Maybe yeah. early in a season when scoring is up, you know, you can get away with it a little bit more. And the Lightning have gotten away with it. I mean, they have a number of wins this year when they have allowed three or more. Yeah. But it's not really a sustainable formula for success. The Lightning with that win, by the way, they sneak into that last wild card. Wow. Right. I, I'm yeah, looking at it now. I know. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, don't look at the game's played number, though, because they have more I than know. a lot of the teams around they them. They do. How about Detroit coming back from 4 nothing down in Sweden? Got them a point. What did we say? Earn points, right? Yeah. That's a big one for them. Who knows? Like It seemed like for Detroit unfamiliar territory here uh that that's a big point yeah to, to keep things plugging away did i see the panthers look like montour and ekblad are, are going to be returning soon I yeah saw that and that'll be big for them yeah they've done just fine without those guys though yeah you'll take you'll take two regulars though coming back you know yeah. and, you'll, and you'll try and incorporate them as as quickly as as possible but uh, you look at the standings i mean you know, Rangers and the Bruins have gotten off to some pretty good hot streaks, and you can see they've given themselves a little breathing room, but everybody else, pretty tight. Pretty tight. You know, I was looking at the stats yesterday, and there were a couple of stats that surprised me because I was looking at the Lightning's goals against, which, as we talked about, wasn't great, and they need to get that number down. The Devils are kind of in the same boat. I mean, this is a team that had an extraordinarily successful regular season. I say extraordinarily because they were not expected to take the strides that they took last year. They did. And they won a round in the playoffs, beat the Rangers, their big rival. A lot was expected of them coming into this year. Now, I understand Jack Hughes has missed some time, and he is their best player. I think I feel comfortable saying that. But... Goodness gracious. I mean, they beat the Penguins last night 5-2. to two. They're still, their their goal differential, they're minus one. Yeah. They allowed 57 goals in 15 games. That's worse than the Lightning in terms of the average. That is very surprising to me. And then the other surprising number is Washington... Eight, four, and two, a minus two goal differential. They're not scoring. They're not giving up anything to speak of. They've only scored 35 goals in 14 games. They've only allowed 37. I mean, that that doesn't really resemble what we've come to expect from the Washington Capitals in the Ovechkin era. Right. But look, it kind of goes back to to what we've said. If you can defend, you're going to give yourself a chance to get points. Defend and get some decent goaltending. You'll be yeah. Uh, well, that's part of it, shape. right? Yeah, you'll be in good shape. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of it for sure. But it it is interesting looking at the uh, 
the standings. Not what you would anticipate. Things are still shaking out. Washington, you know, look, we talked about Washington and Pittsburgh at the start of the year, kind of, you know, two of the older teams and where are they going to land? And you look at a team like the Flyers who Mm -hmm. find themselves kind of in the mix. Um, I I don't anticipate those teams being where they are uh, as we get closer to uh, the playoffs. But what do they say? That's why. They play the game, partner. Yeah, that's absolutely. why they play the game. But Buffalo and Ottawa, I think, disappointing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, they aren't that far behind the Lightning, but but they have but they've a lot underwhelmed. Of yeah, they've underwhelmed a little bit this year. Now, look, it's part of the game. Ottawa has had terrible injury problems the last couple of years. I mean, their goalies were hurt last year. Josh Norris basically missed the whole year. He's healthy now, but how long has it been? They've been out been without three of their top six defensemen. I mean, they were when the Lightning played them that second time. I don't believe any of the three have returned yet. That's tough. I mean, like half your defense core is out. Yeah. That's a problem. As they would say, that's a problem. But, you know, it is it is what it is. This question comes from Brian. It says, guys, how do you think Tyler Mott has looked since coming back? Well, Brian Engblom referred to it this way. It's like you're trying to jump into the washing machine while it's on spin, <laughs> you know, when you miss That's good five weeks or six weeks right at the start of the regular season. He had a great preseason. Great preseason. I think he's going to be a really good player for the Lightning. I still think he's he's kind of getting back. I mean, he is a speedy player, so I'm not talking about his ability to skate. I'm just saying, like, getting back into the flow of things. What has he played? Seven games now? So he's been back for six. I think it's coming for him. He also is not completely 100%. I mean, he's, he's said as much that, you know, He's well enough to play after blocking the shot, but you know they weren't really using him on faceoffs last night, even though he was the center on that line. Tanner Janot was taking the the majority of the faceoffs, so that tells you that you know he can't quite do everything that he normally could do. But I think he's been an asset on the penalty kill. I love his tenacity. I love his speed. Smart player. Yeah. I'm surprised they were able to get him because I, I always felt like there's there's teams out there that'd be willing to bring a guy like that in, maybe overpay a little bit for his services because he's got a lot of playoff experience too. Mm-hmm. But that was sneaky good get by the Lightning, and I yeah. think that will pay off for them. And then you factor in what guys like Acemon are doing as well. It, it does give the the third and fourth lines, if if that's where they are on, you know, a, a little bit of a different look, and I think that'll be valuable. Uh, at Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. This one comes from Tony. He says, guys, how much did the Lightning miss Connor Sherry and his offense? It's an interesting question because he started, it felt like he was starting to turn the corner a little bit offensively. And I think this coincides a little bit with, you know, the the Lightning before this game partner struggling to score some goals, obviously. And, mm-hmm. you know, Sherry's a guy that can create some offense. So I'm sure a little bit. Yeah. And look, it's not a short-term injury. I mean, I think that they said, what, five to six weeks. So it's yeah. similar to Mott. So he's going to unfortunately be out for a while. And then he's going to have the same challenge 
getting back up to speed once he returns. The good news is, is that his legs will be in yeah. good shape. Like his his conditioning will be fine. You should be able to skate, as they say. But, you know, the, the, the fan was asking about his offense. I don't think yeah. offense, I mean, I understand they just had two games in which they were shut out and they didn't score a goal for seven periods. But if we were to list the issues for the Lightning this year and the ones that have that have kept them where they are in the standings and prevented them from being higher in the standings, scoring goals is not near the top of the list. Their goal production has been fine. Yeah, I would agree. Because, I mean, the, the scoring comes and goes. It just right. does. I mean, it was eventually. good to see... It was good to see another defenseman besides Hedman, Sergachev in this case, score. Well, it's we Sergachev. Were... Like it's Sergachev and Hedman are the guys that can create that from behind, you know, from right. the back end. But they haven't gotten goal production from their defense except Victor Hedman, yeah. and he scored again last night. We were talking about Sergachev. You know, last year he had 10 goals, which tied his best for, for a season. He had just the eight assists, and he was, what, minus 14? So, look, he was plus two last night, so he's now minus 12, and he has a goal and added another point with an assist. So all of that is really positive. So what I'm saying is it was nice to see that the Lightning got some goal production from the blue line, but we have mentioned, like, they have gotten production up and down the forward unit. Mott and Merrilla, right? And Watson are the three guys. Right. But, you know, Mott and Watson have only played a handful of games. There are circumstances with those three yeah, players. Yeah, and, you know, know Merrill has had scoring chances, just hasn't been able to finish. So all of that is really is really positive. You know, the Lightning are scoring goals this year. Their power play has been very good. They had That's a right. power play goal last night. So... Yeah, they would like to have Connor Sherry in the lineup, but I don't think that they miss whatever he's going to be able to produce this year because that really hasn't been a, a big problem for them. And this probably goes to what we've just discussed. Bill says, what's the loss of Sorelli going to look like for the Lightning? Now, that'll be interesting because yeah. that's a domino effect, and we know how good he is defensively, and we're just you know having that conversation on well, we don't know what the injury is. I mean, Coop didn't sound thrilled with the prospect of him being out because he said, you know, he's a tough kid and the fact that he didn't come back was worrisome. I think that was the word Coop used. But we don't know yet. So if it is similar to the Mott situation and the Sherry situation and he's out weeks, you know, guys are going to have to step up. I mean, that's just the way it is. He missed, what was it, the first two months of last year. And they're able to navigate that. He does a lot for them, though. I mean, he had a shorthanded breakaway last night. Razik made the save, and then, you know, moments later, the Hawks ended up scoring the power play. He and Hagel have a lot of chemistry killing penalties together. They like playing with one another, too. Yeah, he's had a great year in the circle, yeah. too. He's up in the high 50s, talking about Sorelli. It'd be a loss. It'd it's be a, a domino a effect. A big loss, yeah. You know, who picks up the slack? I think you would, the, the coach's speak would be everybody, <laughs> you know, for right. a guy like that. And then, you know, are you going to look to certain individuals to pick up the slack even more? 
with his production and what you're going to get on a, a nightly basis from from Sorelli. So I think those are... Look, the Lightning have dealt with some adversity so far this year. Not just, you know, yeah. maybe being inconsistent, some injuries. Yep. And I get that. That's part of the game, but it, it's just... You know, when it happens, you have to find ways that uh, to overcome those. But they're not the only ones. I mean, I just mentioned Ottawa. Yeah, for has sure. those three defensemen out. How about Tage Thompson? He blocked a shot. Yeah. So he's going to be out. I mean, it sounds like it's this five to six week deal. I think Don Granato said, he's, you know, probably more than a month. And that's a big loss for them. That is I mean, a big loss for Buffalo. Of course. The thing about it is, though, you know, when we talk about the Lightning... And I, I think some, sometimes everybody has to take a step back. They are playing without the best goaltender in the world. I mean, that is a blow. I, we know the goaltending has been good for the Lightning, and it's been the best story for them this year so far. I don't, I don't think we can dispute that. For them to be in this posi- position, and we're talking about this on a Friday, here in November, November 17th, they are in a playoff spot. I know it's ridiculous sometimes to look at the standings this early, but for a team that does not have the best goaltender in the world, that is a significant loss. It'd be a significant loss to any team that loses their number one goaltender, let alone the best in the game. And then you have two guys who are relatively inexperienced at that position holding things down. The fact, again, that the Lightning are in a playoff spot I think is a pretty good story for the Lightning. Now, they don't want to pat on the back. I understand that. But especially for those who think the Lightning aren't going to do much this year and might not even make the playoffs, that is a little bit of a statement, even though they've been inconsistent with their play, of kind of the adversity they're dealing with, Dave. I guess what I'm saying is they are dealing with as much adversity in the injury department as any team out there. Because of the significance of that position. And I think sometimes we have to, I I think we do, acknowledge it. And the fact that we probably haven't speaks more to the job that Johansson has done than anything else. Because he's played well. We've been very vocal in praising Johansson and Tompkins. That is but I'm not I'm not going to go quite as far as you went talking about they're in a playoff spot. They're in a playoff spot because I'm looking at their playoff pace. And that was an important win they got last night. But if they're gonna if they're gonna make up the point that they dropped in the first ten game segment, they're gonna need to win their next three games to get to twenty four points after twenty games. That is a tall order. Look at who that. I mean, they're all at home these next three games. But look at the opposition coming in. It is gonna take a major run here, short term run to get to 24 points after 20 games. And somebody might say, well, Dave, you know, maybe they don't get to 20. Maybe they get to, to 22 points. You know, okay. I mean, that's within range. But that means you still need to make up those points in a later segment. And making up points is not winning one game. It's doing better than 12 points in 10 games. It's not easy to make up these points. You need an exceptional 10-game segment. So the teams around them have a little bit more wriggle room to get to that 24 point and 20 game marker. I mean, I'm looking at the Maple Leafs who play in Sweden this weekend. I mean, they have a game Friday against Detroit and then they play Minnesota over the weekend. 
they're at 18 points, just like the Lightning, but they've played 15 games. So they can go actually 3-2 in their next five and hit playoff pace. They have a little bit more breathing room there. So this is more the short term. And if the Lightning are, are behind that pace, they do have time to make it up. And as you said, reinforcements are coming. But, you know, they put themselves in a position here to to make up for these three straight regulation losses that really kind of took some air out of their balloon. But they needed this game last night and they got it. So that's very positive. That's exactly it. They got it. And I think that's, that's something they didn't get the last three games. And that's why we're having these conversations about, well, where's the team and, and where are they? So this is a, a good, and you're right about the next, you know, couple of games. They're going to be tough. What are we going to see from Edmonton? Edmonton has won three in a row, one with the former coach and two with the new head coach, Knobloch. But they had to rally to beat Seattle in overtime a couple of nights ago. I don't know what we're going to see from Edmonton. Have they kind of gotten a little bit of momentum from the coaching change? Are they just due to win three in a row? Are there still some problems underneath the surface for this team? I don't know. But there's no question the Bruins are playing at an exceptionally high level. And Winnipeg has had a good year so far. Yeah. 8-5-2 is their record. I don't know what to expect. From Edmonton, I I expect a a pretty motivated Edmonton team. Yeah. I, I just do. They're trying to salvage their season. And you may say, well, well <laughs> this early? Yeah. Yeah, for the reasons. Yeah, they're in they're still in very tough shape. They are. I mean, before they won their last three, the record was two nine and one. It's almost inconceivable with a team like that. But you gotta start somewhere pulling yourself up out of it. And it appears that you know, well, I don't know if they've done it, but they've they've improved their record at the very least. Also, the West is not as deep as the East, so they have an opportunity to catch some teams that are also kind of under that quote-unquote 500 watermark. But I think that the same things that we've said about the Oilers the last few years are true for the game tomorrow afternoon, which we will then recap on Monday, which is a game day as well. Lightning hosts the Bruins on Monday, but for our Power Lunch show, we can look back at the Edmonton game. Lightning are going to have to stay out of the box. I mean, even with Edmonton's poor start in terms of the record, their power play, I mean, it's not up at like the 40% or whatever it was at at the beginning of last year, but it's still doing pretty well. So you cannot let McDavid and Dreisaitl start dancing around on the power no. play. That is going to be a priori- priority. Now, the Lightning have done a pretty good job of staying out of the box in most of their games this year. That'll have to continue. And look, the the underlying problem for the Oilers this year has been kind of like with the Lightning, goals allowed. So let's see if the Lightning can put some pressure on them and, and force whoever is going to be in net for Edmonton to make some saves and deny scoring chances. Force the Oilers goalie tomorrow afternoon to make the saves that Morazic was able to make 
in both games actually against the Lightning. I think Brian Engblom said the final could have been six or seven to two, if not for Morazic. Yeah, last night he looked good. He looked good. Al says, "Let's hope Sergachev has turned the corner. He's better than what he's shown." Yeah, I mean, we I think we all agree on that. Yep. It's interesting. We talked about this before. Confidence with players. It's it's a it's a real thing. He was physical. He was really physical last night. I think that. I don't think that was the only reason that he played as well as he did, but it seemed to help his game. He had a, a tough hit, didn't he? And Kurashev. The one that was called for a penalty, yeah. Correct. But that didn't slow him down. That's what I was saying. It's yeah. not like he got that early penalty and they scored on it. And he's like, oh, I better not make any more body checks. Like he was engaged. Well, Brian said that too, right from the start. Yeah. Looked like he was being physical. And I, I feel like that's when was that la- it must have been last year. Had to have been last year. That he kind of, when he took steps, or maybe it was two years ago, it started in training camp. Like, pre, like he mm-hmm. made it a point to be physical. And he can be physical. I mean, we've seen him. He's a strong guy. Yeah, we've seen him fight, too. We've seen him fight. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I think when he gets that snarl in his game, probably plays better. The thing with him, he's, he's so skilled, too. I think he wants to do a lot of things offensively for this team. And I think that's also something you can take from the game the other night is that can he get his offense going? I always look at Surachev and think he's a guy who can get 15 goals a year. Mm-hmm. I know that's that's a lot from the back end, but, you know, it's kind of how I feel. Yeah. This uh, question comes from Dale. Do you think we see Tompkins anytime soon? You know, I was wondering if Tompkins might start the game against the Blackhawks because – that was the team that drafted him and kind of buried him, right? Yeah. <laughs> to the point that he was like, well, I'm going to Europe. Might have been some motivation there for him yeah. to play against Do we his think he's organization. How many but I don't know. Before I, I don't have an answer. And also, like, what is Vassy's timetable? If Vassy is not able to return before the Lightning's back-to-back at the end of the month at Colorado, at Arizona, Tompkins is getting... One of those games, presumably the second game. But that's right around the time frame that Vassy might be able to return. So we'll see. He's ready to go. He, You can tell he's he probably wants to get on the ice as, as soon as possible. It's one of those you got to hold him back a little bit, make sure that uh, everything is feeling okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a process. But um, do they give Tompkins one more start? Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. We'll kind of see how it uh, how it plays out as well. Um, were you surprised at all that uh, Barry Boulay was scratched? We had a couple people on Twitter well, uh, mentioning that. Yeah, he had been demoted to the fourth line, if that's the right way of putting it, during the St. Louis game. He had the least amount of ice time of any Lightning forward. And, I mean, he did score in the Montreal game, that, that game at the end of the previous road trip. But he, he had been a little quieter. I think in in subsequent games, and part of that was tied to the fact that the Lightning were struggling to generate chances and struggling to have the puck. And I, I, once I learned that Watson was coming in, like Watson does bring a certain element of energy, and he's not exactly maroon, but I think you know he's a very like talkative, gregarious guy. I think he's a presence on the bench. I'm not shocked, and it may have been less about Barry Boulay and more about Watson, but given 
even before the, the puck was dropped, given the circumstance, I wasn't surprised that Watson was in. I guess he could have been put in for somebody else. Right. But if Sorelli is not able to play tomorrow, I would presume Barry Boulay is coming back in and they're going to have to rearrange the lines and, and figure out how they want to work them. I find that all very fascinating because you're right. I mean, his play maybe is kind of dip, but isn't that interesting? Does that go to kind of go to show you a little bit the leash that he's on in terms of playing on the top line? Like you have to keep producing. Yeah, you can't really go into a, a funk there. I, I I think, you know, sometimes the coach doesn't have to come out and say it, but Baraboulet was getting opportunities because he was producing. The minute he stopped really producing, Dave, look how quickly he. <laughs> Right. He was taken out of the lineup. Or, you know, I would use a different word than producing because sometimes you can be dangerous and not get rewarded. And I think that that some of some of his dynamic play had gone away. Whereas earlier he was looking dynamic. Yeah. Now, some of that, again, had to do with how the Lightning were playing as a team. They didn't have the puck a lot. They were playing teams that were Ding them up. There wasn't a lot of space for anyone to make plays. But you're right. I mean, there are other players on the team who are given a longer leash or however you put it. That's not surprising. It's a consistency thing that we know. And uh, I think it's a it's a great reminder that the great ones in this game are are pretty consistent. Even the very good ones, they, they find ways to get their points. And for a guy like Barry Boulay, we talked about the reason why he was getting some opportunities he was scoring he was he was putting up some points and that's mm-hmm. basically what he's supposed to be doing and the minute that started to dry up again it could have been more about watson less about barry boulet but he was the guy that was taken out of the lineup you could kind of see it developing a little bit demoted if you want to call it that and then you know listen if you're not going to if you're not going to produce, then we need to find some guys that are going to do some other things. And mm-hmm. be interesting to see when he does get an opportunity to get back in the lineup. What does that look like? How does he play? But it's I, I find that all I find it all fascinating. And we'll see if uh, he's back in the lineup on uh, on Saturday. Should be a good one against the Edmonton Oilers. That's four o'clock start, which means we'll be on the airwaves at three thirty. And then we'll be back at it again in this format on Monday, noon to one, breaking it all down. We appreciate everybody who listened today. Partner, great job and uh, safe travels and uh, enjoyed listening to you and Brian. And then we'll have you and Phil, right, on Saturday. Uh, Phil, no. actually, yeah, Braden Coburn. Phil is not going to be there. He is going up for a reunion of oh, it's both right. of his cup teams in Boston, 70 and 72. Beautiful. They're honoring both teams. It'll be fun. They'll be happy about that. Yeah. So Kobe will sit in on. Well, that'll Saturday. be fun. Yeah, Kobe. He'll be. He'll be. He might. He maybe he could be the seventh defenseman too. He'll. <laughs> yeah. He'll look to get in there. But uh, look, we'll, he keeps himself in really good shape. He really does. Uh, he looks like he could pop on the ice. I think he could give you ten more produce. minutes, right? Yeah, he could give you ten minutes if you needed it. And <laughs> but uh, that'll be fun. We'll see Kobe uh, in the press box calling the game there with us on Saturday. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Partner, great job. We'll talk to you uh, on Saturday. Talk to you on Saturday. All right. I'm Greg Linnell. You've been listening to Power Lunch right here on Lightning Radio.